Hello, this is Bring It In. It is not Friday. It is, in fact, Monday. I am Gerard Hector, not Henry Abbott. Henry is off on assignment, but Coach David Thorpe is here. How are you, sir? Fantastic, Gerard. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm doing better than the Dallas Mavericks, that's for sure. Um, you know, that was the most recent game last night. And, you know, I want to start here. We talk about this all the time, Coach, you and I. I mean, not, not we're not unique in this. Every A lot of people say this. To win in this league is really really hard like it's extremely difficult not only do you have to be very good you need some luck to go your way as well that's just the nature of how this goes and you know as the Warriors manhandled the Mavericks in the Western Conference Finals and they're up 3-0 all I could think is the luck is breaking the Warriors way right obviously they're good and you have to be good in order to to do what you want to do but the things that you need to help you win a title are lining up in their favor they lightly finished this series in four games, maybe five. Uh, they seem like they're going to be, you know, relatively easy games in terms of taxing on their body. Uh, meanwhile, on the other side of the, of the ledger in the Eastern Conference, the Celtics and Heat are beating the snot out of each other. And when that series ends, whomever emerges is going to have some major injury they're dealing with with one of their, their best players because that's where they are right now. And injuries don't get better the more you play on them. They're just going to get worse over time. Uh, but let's start uh, in the Warriors series. Uh, what are you seeing uh, from what Golden State is doing and what Dallas is unable to do? So first of all, forgive me for this. Let me go a little backwards based on what you just said about um, how hard it is to keep. It's not about winning in the postseason. You have to keep winning. I listened to uh, someone talk recently about, oh, it was an NBA, former NBA player. It might have been, it might have been Brian Scalabrini. I, I don't remember, but I think it might have been Scalabrini on Zach Lowe's show, and how you could be up, you know, 2-0 in a series, feeling good. You know, 11 days later, you're home on vacation. Mm-hmm. I talked to an NBA, very, very talented NBA player yesterday on, on Zoom, and uh, same kind of thing. He, this guy's already out of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. He thought they might win a championship. Like, boom, it just happens <laughs> like that. Yeah. Uh, it's You just have to keep winning, and so... This is why I say forgive me. Uh, I'm going to compare sixth grade AAU basketball to the NBA for a minute. You don't understand where I'm coming from, though. Uh, I I had never been, you know, high school is different. High school is one and done uh, playoffs when you go through the regular season. And so that was what I was used to. Obviously, I helped a lot of NBA players go through it, but I never done through it myself until my son started playing AAU in sixth grade. And and all you do, we didn't do any leagues. Well, we did some leagues, but mostly we did tournaments. And so I remember at the end of his first year, and I don't remember offhand if we played 15 or 20 tournaments overall. I know sometimes we played up, meaning we took a sixth grade team. You don't play, expect to win a seventh grade tournament with sixth graders, especially when that's when puberty starts hitting. Our tallest guy was 5'11 mm-hmm, in sixth mm-hmm. grade. We saw some 6'7 six, seven, seventh graders. You know, that, and, and then we had some 6'6 six, six guys in eighth grade, like as they grew. Uh, but I, we went to 12 finals, I remember, his first year and won seven and lost five. So you go through pool play, and then you go through playoffs. Normally, it's a game or two mm-hmm. in the playoffs, then you have the finals. Now, keep in mind, they had me on the bench as a volunteer. Uh, I, I'm no slouch when it comes to coaching. I've been around. Mo- and mostly you're coaching against dads, really, and some, some good coaches. Mm-hmm. And then we had another guy in the State of Florida Hall of Fame for coaching and winning his coach in Tampa mm-hmm. Bay Area history for girls and boys combined. Um, and we were both dads who were also coaching because our kids were on the team. Our head coach had been a JV coach for a while, so he was clearly more experienced than most. And yet, we didn't win every tournament, and, but we made it a lot. 
And what a huge advantage that was. Most of, these, most of our opponents didn't have that. And yet we still fought and fought and went, scouted every game and walked through stuff. We took it so seriously, which helps. The NBA is much, has much more parity. And so, you know, you, there's no, almost no time to relax. By the time these guys get to the locker room after a win, it's next game. What, what do we do wrong? Mm-hmm. How can we change things? Uh, what do we do right? And what are they going to counter with? And now how are we going to be prepared for that? And I just think as you get into this case, round three, Looney, Green, Clay, Curry, Kerr, Brown, Mike Brown, I mean, come on now. This, this is something yeah. they've done a ton. Yeah. It's so normal for them. It's only been a few, three years removed since the 19 finals. Mm-hmm. I just think that's a huge advantage. So, so if, they, if, if Golden State and Dallas are even on paper, which I would argue they're not quite even, Luca gets it close. He's so magnificent. Mm-hmm. Um, they have all these other advantages. And it, and so when you, I think you said it right, there is luck involved. And of course, I mean, if we could ever get through a game where no one gets hurt, it'd be amazing. <laughs> but uh, they also help make that luck because I think, I think the mistake people make is they look at the game as if it stands alone. And yet it's all that right. preparation, all that rest, all that focus. Yeah. How can they work yeah. the right way to get them in the right frame of mind uh, and then deal mm-hmm. with failure better? I mean, Max, Maxi Kleber last mm-hmm. night, was oh, 0 for 5 from... Did not deal with failure well. Yeah, he, he, you know, he <laughs> might be great this next game. Um, he, he has not been great, and they need that. And yet, mm-hmm. assuming Dallas brings back most of these guys next year, uh, I, I think they're going to be better. They just have gone through it. I'm not a believer that experience is the only factor, but it's a big factor. It's an important factor. Mm-hmm, and huge. I think mm-hmm. the Warriors just having gone through all that they've gone through and they've won a number of different ways now. Uh, yep. I just think yep. it's an advantage over over what, what Dallas brings. It's huge. And you're looking at the Warriors' versatility, right? Even when the Mavericks are, quote-unquote, playing well, right? The Warriors never look phased, like, oh, no, what do we do? Like, it's it's fine, like right? For them, it's always, okay, what are we not doing well enough, right? It, it's not so much what they're doing. No, what are we not doing right? Then they start doing it right, and it's like, okay, we're fine, as we thought we'd be. Um, one of the other ways that that Dallas is struggling is that in the past, and the Warriors won their other titles, the trouble for them was always uh, when they go small, right? That was the blitzkrieg that killed everybody. But one of the sort of downsides to that was they'd have trouble rebounding. Well, the Warriors now force you to go small against them. They keep Kevon Looney out there, and he's a rebounding monster. And now they're getting all the offensive rebounds. So, so when they miss shots, they're getting second, third, fourth, fifth possessions. And it's like, you know, it's like in football, right? If a quarterback has got a minute to throw the football, you ain't going right. to find somebody open because you can't cover that long, right? Someone's going to get open on the Warriors and they're going to nail a three. And then you're like, damn, we could have been up. We could have been down two. Now we're down five. And that that is yeah. demoralizing. As a human, when you're doing that, that gets to you and you're like, fuck, what am I going to do? <laughs> um. Yeah, I have no problem uh, talking about Kevon Looney, who I've liked for a long time. I uh, know. <laughs> uh, I'm so impressed with him and have been for a long time now. Um, yeah, I mean, if Golden State can beat you up on the glass, that's a bad thing for you because that's not something that they're typically doing at all. Uh, one of the things I'm really impressed with with Golden State, this is not going to be a surprise to you, is uh, 
I think the coach, I mean, Steve Kerr is great. Mike Brown's clearly done a great job defensive coordinator for that team. But um, I don't think you should discount what Andre Godal is doing. He's, oh, yeah. he's chirping. Like he, and, and, and his main thrust is Draymond. Mm-hmm. I, I have a feeling we're going to see some reporting about this. Uh, I noticed in game two, when Draymond fouled out with, you know, a day and a half left in the game, mm-hmm. he sat down and he looked like a ghost and Iggy was in his ear yep. in a very yep. professional way, not screaming. Like the mm-hmm. way Grant Williams kind of whines a lot, I think, for Boston. That's not how And- Andre has been a whiner a lot of his life compared to mm-hmm. his career, based on what Team Deb told me. That's not what I've seen on the bench now. He's teaching. He's guiding. He's mentoring. He's being a big brother. And, uh, and has all the clout in the world. I'm sure of that. So um, I-, I noticed in this last game, this is to your point about not getting frazzled. You were talking generally, but I'm going to say specifically – Draymond was Dallas's best player for much of the last couple of games. He's been terrible, mm-hmm. terrible turnovers, uh, can't score, won't score. Uh, and then he has moments here and there, which is a reason why he's in the game. And last night was another situation where I just thought, boy, I did, they need him to foul a little bit so we can go sit down because they're way better without him. <laughs> and then he had gone to the bench for a while. And Andre had saw, I don't know what Andre was saying to him. And then Draymond came on and something changed. And all he did was make plays and shut his mouth. And I don't even care if some guys, these guys walk on the edge. They play better that way. Like, I understand <laughs> what that is. But there is, there is crossing that line, and he has crossed that line before and hurt his team. Last night, I thought he just forgot about everything but winning the game, making plays. Yeah. And but they're fantastic when he's that defender because now you've got Wiggins doing what Wiggins has been doing. Uh, Clay took it up a notch and has for two second halves in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I thought Draymond just made some defensive plays, made some offensive plays. Uh, I tell you the biggest thing, Gerard, is, again, to your point of them not being phased, uh, they're running their offense in fourth quarters. Well, we're not seeing that a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're seeing a lot of ISO take advantage of the mismatch. Not with Golden High pick and roll. Yeah, not yep. with Golden mm-hmm. State. Golden State yep. is, is they're getting ease. This is when they were in their prime. I remember doing an article when I was at ESPN about how I remember Draymond getting back-to-back layups in last three minutes of a game at crunch time against the, the Cavaliers in a very close game. Wide open layups. Now, they did it because people were freaking out about Curry coming off pin downs or whatever. But the point is they ran their offense to do it and read the defense. Mm-hmm. And they're still doing that now. And that, that becomes when I start thinking about who's going to win the championship, as much as I think the two teams in the East are better, I, I can't ignore that. And then the final point I'll make is I don't think we've seen Golden State's best game. Not even close. I yeah, think they're, yeah, they're still yeah. too sloppy. They're, they were better last night with turnovers, but there's too many moments mm-hmm. where they're just terrible mistakes on both ends, and I still think there's another level. And that if, if, you're, if you're Boston or Miami and, and can't take it up one more notch, you might be in trouble because you're going to be more tired as well probably. Dallas has not been able to elicit Golden State's best game, right? Because they're not doing it. They're not presenting yeah. enough force for them to require it. Memphis did a better job of it in the yeah. last series than than Dallas is doing this series. Um, you know, you mentioned someone who, you know, I think it's worth discussing. And that's Andrew Wiggins 
of course, there was the dunk on Luca and all that. And, you know, that to your point, and you wrote in the doc, worth more than two points. And it probably, you know, and I know what you mean, right? It's a metaphorical thing in terms of not what it means to him confidence wise and the team and everything else. This is the culmination of what they built up in him over exactly the past because right. he's been there two, se- two seasons exactly, now. Right? Two, exactly two, right. It wasn't just about the impact of the game and the team and it lifted everyone mm-hmm. up. Uh, even Luka Doncic said, that was a pretty impressive dunk. I wish I had those bunnies. Mm-hmm. I love Luka for admitting mm-hmm. that. But mm-hmm. to me, you hit it. And I don't want to take your point away. You're going to finish your point, I promise. It, when Wiggins dunked it, I felt like what you just said. This was two years in the making. And he's got more to come, I hope. But it mm-hmm. felt like he was mm-hmm. dunking the Timberwolves. Like, I've, I've yes. done. Yeah. This is who I am yeah. now. Hello. I, yeah. I knew I was going to dunk this yeah. motherfucker. And, I'm, I mean, it's not like he's mm-hmm. shutting Luka down. Let's be fair. But he's right. making it hard. It's, it's not easy to do. Yes. And, and he's scoring 27 points. Like, he's averaging 18, mm-hmm. whatever, in the 19 of the series. So, yeah. I thought it was like, I'm here. Yeah, but go yeah. on. He is. Curry said after the game, you know, we all know the talent he has, and he's getting the opportunity to do it on this stage, right? You know, on that terrible franchise in Minnesota, he wasn't getting no playoff time. I mean, they had that one run with Jimmy, but that was really it. One win. Um, it also speaks to the culture within Golden State. And, you know, you say it all the time. Everyone knows it, right? Uh, culture, right? That's the, that's the table setter. That's what dictates and determines what, yes, you need talent, of course. But you ain't got no culture, no matter how much talent you have. You're not going to do anything, right? And that's what the Warriors have. They got Andrew Wiggins to a point where it's like, look, you're a number one pick. We get all that. And I think that's probably what they did. I mean, I don't know. I'm not in there. They probably said to him, you were a number one pick for a reason. You are really good at all of these things. This is how talented you are. On this team, you don't worry about all that. We got this guy, this guy, and this guy. So all you got to do are these things. And we know you can do that. And you excel in your role, right? Because in many ways, right, he is an overqualified number four. But if you have Andrew Wiggins as your number four, it's like, well, life is wonderful for me as the Golden State Warriors. And now he can step into three. He's taken with, you can see it. He's got confidence when he's out there. Like, he's like, Luca, you may score, but I'm not, I'm not afraid. I'm not, he doesn't have the weight of the world of, I got to lock this guy down. Then I got to go score 30 points on the other end. Nope. Don't got to do none of that, my friend. <laughs> like, you operate within the flow of the offense. And it's, it's you know, as someone who's been much maligned by everybody in basketball media, this has got to be a, feel, a good feeling and a good moment for him. Yeah, if um, when they first acquired him, if, you, if anyone had said, uh, the Warriors are going to win uh, the West in the next two years, and he's going to be the MVP of the Western Conference Finals, most people wouldn't have believed that. People like us would have said, well, that's Golden State. Like they, they, they're capable mm-hmm. of doing that. Uh, and, and part of culture is also, as you talked about role, it's defining the role. And I mean, he understands how to play there. And I, you know, he's not afraid of the moment. He's taken some really big shots in this series and the last series, big shot. He hasn't made them all, but he's taken them. And I'm impressed with that. And I, you know, he had, a, I don't remember, it wasn't the dunk because they called the, they called the, the offensive foul that they rescinded, which I thought was the right play. But um, he made a big shot in the game yesterday Fans were going crazy, and he landed, and he just guarded Luca full court. Like, he, he didn't mm-hmm. think about mm-hmm. – he didn't celebrate. Nope, I'm just playing defense. Mm-hmm. They've got him yep. really yep. locked in that way. And, uh, and they're, yeah. they've earned what he's doing. They've, they've, they've helped they, – it's been a symbiotic relationship. They've helped each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned something that we talk about all the time, and I know you love the Golden State Cuisinart. There, you mentioned they are running their offense – uh, late in the fourth quarter, most teams do not, right? Most teams are hunting the mismatch. They're doing that predatorial right. thing, running their high ball, high uh, right. ball screen, 
high pick and roll to get the matchup desired to go one-on-one. And that is, we know that it's not Steve Kerr's preferred style. That is not how the Warriors do things. And you can see it in the game, coach. The, it isn't that Dallas doesn't know what to do. They know. They're just gassed. Like, they're just like every time. And when you let up for a millisecond, there's one play, Jalen Brunson, he turned his back just for a half second. Too late, backdoor cut layup. It's like, you just like, you cannot rest. Like that is when you are on the floor against this team and the ball is live, you must be locked in at all times. If you rest for a second, that's death nail. And that constant motion we see with Golden State, they run off makes. You make a basket, Draymond's like yelling there, give me the ball, throw and up court because they know you're unsettled. If we're moving and you're unsettled, that's that's it's food. We got that. It's easy. And that's what Golden State's been doing a wonderful job of this postseason. Yeah, I think that's all part of their play design is they're trying to play with a faster pace. That's why the finals will be interesting because Miami and – well, if Golden State makes it, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute, um, Miami and Boston want to play slower. And so you're going to see Golden State trying to speed it up, in part because you want to face those two great defenses. And their defense is more chaos-creating, Golden State. So the the higher pace helps that too. Uh, I told Henry this morning – I talked to him earlier this morning – if you told me right now Warriors going to win this series in six, I would say, yeah, I believe that. I don't think I don't think it's just they're just going to beat Dallas. The way Dallas plays, there's so much variance. I mean, they're taking 45, 53s in games, mm-hmm. and we know they can get crazy hot. Uh, you score, you know, you go twenty of forty two from three. You're scoring 60, 60 points on forty two possessions of a hundred possession game. Like you're in big trouble if you're Golden State. You're not going to keep up with that scoring, knowing that you have Luca. And Dinwiddie and Jalen all kind of figured out ways to score now. Uh, if those other guys who were terrible last night score better, terrible. Dallas can win game four. And now, I mean, we know Golden State can be terrible before. They got, where's the For team sure. that beat them by 100? Memphis? Memphis, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Golden State, I, I'm not ready to tell you that this series is over in four or five. I, I, I think I have more respect for Dallas than that. And uh, I, I just don't think it's likely they win four in a row and probably not even three in <laughs> yeah. a row. It, it, it's asking a lot to keep scoring that well against the top two defense right. and Golden State's Cuisinart. But to win, I mean, just it's about one game. They, they can win one game and then we'll deal with game five. Who knows who's going to be healthy? Like, it's such a crapshoot these true. days. Win one game. And That's I think true. Dallas can That's win true. game four. Do you, okay. So you don't think that there's any, like Dallas is feeling defeated right now down on three. I do. I think today they're feeling defeated. I think that's up to Luca, who's a f- competitive dude. And in any, you know, knowing players the way I do, um, mostly we've talked about this a bunch in the show. They, they're thoroughbreds in the sense that, I mean, as we as we joked last week on TNT, the racing to the screen. I, I just, I, <laughs> I don't do that. I, I, I think yeah. I'm, I'm of the cloth where if I'm coaching the game, I, I'm fucking crazy competitive. And I'll tell you some stories sometime about, like, not that it's shady, but I, I'm trying to manipulate everything I can manipulate ethically to win a game. Uh, mm-hmm. But when it's not a game, like, whatever, these guys are crazy. They just, everything's competitive. So yeah. I think Dallas will, they, you know, fans will be cheering. Uh, you saw, remember when Nick Nurse said, uh, and when Toronto was down 2-0, uh, down th- yeah, they said, um, we're down 3-0. He said, uh, well, no one's ever come down, back down 3-0, but if we're 3-1, people have come back from down 3-1. Now, it's stupid. Mm-hmm. because yeah, mm-hmm. we know why. But still, they ended right. up winning two in a row, yeah. and then they lost game six. So yeah. I think Dallas will find a way right. to be competitive. We'll see how Golden State plays. I thought Curry said um, we're, we're kind of playing with their money now. He said that, we can play with house yeah. money. Yeah. I didn't love that. I, I didn't love that. I, I think they'll be fine, too. I think give, you know, give them today. 
by tomorrow they'll be fucking ready to spit nails again and 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 then it'll be a, it'll be a good fight. But Dallas shoots they just have such variance in how they play. Um they're capable yeah. of winning this game. And they're for Dallas, you know, and Coach Kidd says it like their defense turns to another level when they're making shots, right? When they're not making shots, it's like mm, now we're struggling a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see if they can get hot from three um, and, you know, extend this series by a game or so. If nothing else, make Golden State work a little hard for it anyway. Um, there was a quote that you put in the doc from Kerr. Um, it was about that uh, the stretch uh, in the game where they were limiting Dallas's three. He says, the whole point of the game in that stretch is no threes and no fouls. We talk about it all the time. When the game calls for that, you got to get up on guys. You don't fall asleep. We've got one of the greatest players in the world coming down. He makes threes in his sleep. The game is not over. We just we just let him walk into a three-pointer. Um, and that's sort of like the, the end of that yeah. game, right, where Dallas was making a little bit yeah. of that run, and Golden State was kind of like, you know, they kind of went to like four corners, and can Kirk all the time up being like, what are you doing? Run the offense. Like, why are we stopping? Just because we're up, whatever we're up. Yeah, so what the reason I'm putting the doctor on is um, – uh, you're right. He called the timeout. I don't remember if it was right after this play or not, but uh, Draymond got a layup in the Cuisinart. They spread the floor. They moved the ball around. Mm-hmm. They got a layup. And then here comes Luca. Curry is celebrating. They're, they're all inside the three-point line, and Luca just gets a walk-in three. And that mm-hmm. and then and that's Kirk called timeout and apparently yelled at Curry, like, wake the fuck up. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love that. I love that Curry probably <laughs> loved it too. Uh, I've never, I've never coached a player uh, that's been really successful. They didn't like to be coached, including yelled at sometimes. Um, they, they want fairness. They want uh, reasonable, rational men yelling at them mm-hmm. or women, for that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw a guy interviewed this weekend, the, this week at the combine. Uh, they had a couple uh, female coaches, and I, one player who I just went blank on his name, but uh, a draftable guy was like. He loved playing for a woman. That was the first time he had done it. I can't wait for that to happen more and more. We, we, these guys have been yelled at their whole life. Uh, and you would think Steph Curry would want to be yelled at because he doesn't want to screw up again. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's Curry's point of, let's Luka Dodgers over there, guys. Like, it's not just the NBA mm-hmm. playoffs. It's Luka who makes threes in his sleep. And so we just gave him that. Like, come wake up. Like, we can't afford any slip of possession is such a potential nightmare for us. Uh, that's why I'm saying I think Golden State's got some specialness left. It's just a sneaky feeling that I have mm-hmm. that, that there's another level. The way Draymond finished the game last night is the best I've seen him play without scoring a bunch, whatever. He just was super locked in, no talking to the refs. That guy, coupled with all the other things they have, if Clay could put together a full game, which we haven't seen. We've seen half games. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's another level for them. And as much as I think the two teams in the East are the, are the favorites, I think you said it to me over the weekend, or you texted me about they're going to be beat up. Uh, I'd, lo- I'd love to see Golden State, I mean, at least at least have a, a closeout game in, in the finals. They may lose it. I don't care who wins the series, yeah, but yeah. to see them in a game six or game seven with 33 wins would be special, just knowing what they've already yeah. gone through. Yeah. Um, and so to that point, do you a team like Golden State, who is a little bit older, do they want to end this and get some rest? Because they know the more rest we get, the better. Or do you, are they kind of like, oh, the finals aren't starting until June 2nd, which is uh, not this Thursday, but the following Thursday, right? So that's there'll be a long time to be off, right, without playing basketball. They're going to scrimmage, obviously, in between, but it's not the same. Yeah, I think that there's going to be a lot of reasons why to be super motivated, uh, in part just because they're just competitors. But uh, I would think they would be thrilled. I mean, today's the 23rd. 
mm-hmm. to, to have that much rest, uh, it would be huge for them. And I'm glad we, we want to see yeah. healthy teams. Um, but also to me, this, the, 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 that's not a motivating factor. The motivating factor is that's Luca. Okay. Uh, he is so dangerous guys. He's scoring 40 in his sleep now against us twice. I think he's done it mm-hmm. and we're playing pretty good defense. He's just that good. And we're fucking idiots for keep fouling him so much. So <laughs> let's, let's, let's act as if it's a game seven for us. We'll re- we'll, We'll recover if it's, you know, well, luckily it's not, but let's act as if we have mm-hmm. to win this game and end this series now and uh, start building for the finals and watch these, watch the Eastern team beat each other up in these club matches and before we have to play one of them. I mean, talk about heading to the East now, how physical that series is. My God, like I just get hurt watching it. I'm like, God, don't you guys want to like not foul each other so much and play so rough? But you know, it's. That's that's what that's what both these teams do when they got guys built like fire hydrants over there. It's just like it is it is a tough series. Kudos to Miami for bouncing back in game three, as we saw. They got out to that huge lead and then Boston stormed back. You know, something is interesting I saw, coach. Everyone's saying, you know, outside of like one the one quarter, you know, Boston is outplaying Miami, which is why most people pick Boston to win the series. I'm like, yeah, but ultimately that doesn't matter. You still have the shitty quarter, right? So you're still down two, one in this series to me. So I'm like this idea of like moral victory. I know why people are saying it's because, and this is what I think too. Boston has more things to do and more options, which is why you favor them. But you guys keep throwing up these stinker quarters. Eric wall. You're going to keep losing those games is what it seems like. Right. And now instead of finishing this series earlier, which you maybe could have done, you're going to go seven games. So, you know, uh, what are your what are your thoughts on that, on on how Boston is kind of everyone, you know, I'm going to give Miami credit. It's not just Boston is just sucking. Miami's forcing them to suck some, uh, but having these stinker quarters that really get them, get them behind the eight ball. You know, the, uh, the Thorpe rule is win a quarter by 10 or more and don't lose by 10 or more. Mm-hmm. And I stopped mm-hmm. keeping track this year because uh, it's just 95%, whatever. In, in both of these finals, uh, it's undefeated. I know there's been some games where that hasn't been the case. A team won a quarter by 11, lost the other three quarters by, you know, four or whatever, and, and lost. Um, but it's still very, very you know, typical So of, of to win. Um, when people are posting those, what, what I think about when I see that, that Boston's only lost two quarters is um, kind of what you just said. All right, well, clearly they're the better team in a lot of these other quarters, but if you aren't able to at least be competitive in one quarter of each game, you deserve to lose. Mm-hmm. This is, this is the Thorpe rule in effect. You can't be terrible and have the other team be great at the same time and expect to win a playoff game in the NBA. We know historically mm-hmm. you, it just doesn't work out well for you. So uh, I, I'm glad you mentioned Miami. Uh, Miami fans, like, listen, fans are the same everywhere. They all think they're <laughs> aggrieved. They all think the refs hate them. Uh-huh. They all think the national media hates them. Uh, I'm a Florida guy. My parents grew up in Miami Beach. My brother lives in Miami. Many, many of my college friends are from Miami. I was a Dolphin fan and a Viking fan before the Bucks existed. Uh, I root for the Hurricanes in every sport. Always did, <laughs> even though I went to Florida. I, I, come on, Miami fans. Like, no one's picking on you. <laughs> Stop taking it personal. <laughs> it is an interesting fact that, that you've won two quarters and won two games. Mm-hmm. That's all. It's an interesting fact. Mm-hmm. Now, to that first quarter. I watched the entire first quarter this morning, and I watched all of Boston's 23, I'll say it again, 
23 turnovers in one game. Uh, uh, Miami's had 20 in their two wins combined. Boston had 23 in their, in their second loss. Um, I watched it all again this morning. And Miami absolutely deserves a ton of credit. Absolutely. Uh, I'm running about it right now. What, what they are doing and how they took advantage of Boston's selfishness to not get off the ball earlier. In fact, I, I would, for our fans, the title, it may change, but the title I've given it is get off the ball or die. Like, you've just mm-hmm. got to get off the ball early in possession the way the Heat are just really pinching on Brown and Tatum and Smart. And, uh, and if they don't, they're in big trouble. I, I think they will. They also have to play with more urgency. There, was, mm-hmm. uh, there were two possessions early in the game where they just jogged on defense and Miami raced, and they gave up, five, they gave up six points on those two possessions with an and one and a three. Um, uh, Time Lord being out makes a difference, I think. I think. Uh, Tice can't apply pressure the way Robert can up high and down low. But Miami, going, you know, I can't speak for everyone, but when I can watch a game and often figure out what the coaches have been stressing. It helps that I know often what they're stressing because I'll talk to a player on the team. But um, it's, it sometimes jumps out at me. It's very clear Miami was like basically no free passes. Possession one, they guarded everything. I wrote this in the article that will come out later today. Miami's first possession, I'm sorry, Boston's first possession, the very first time they took a dribble inside the three-point line came with uh, four seconds on the clock. Like, mm-hmm. that was Miami pushing up and pushing up and pushing up, and Boston was running most of their offense from 28 feet out. Now, Miami couldn't keep it up, and Boston almost won the game. But... I guarantee you, Ime is making some real adjustments. You get off the bar earlier. Let's get, let's get put them on their heels. Let's try to apply the same pressure that Miami did to us. It's going to be a tussle. I, I fully thought this series would be tied at two going into game five. And I didn't know who would be healthy. It's impossible to figure this stuff out. Mm-hmm. It really, for me anyway, I don't, Robert Williams probably is out tonight, I heard. I don't know. Yeah. That, what, what is his injury again? Same, same. Uh, it's the same, same thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that same knee and and yeah, the knee and Jimmy will play. He only played the, the half okay. in game three, but oh, right. he said he will play he game, he's four. Playing game four. Whatever Dude. that means, though. Yeah, you know how right. long I mean, he could play last. another half again. It's, it's going to be um, this is a re- this is a reference, um, Gerard. So we talked about we talked about how experience and go for Golden State in the past helps them now. Well, think about Giannis, who almost was knocked out by Brooklyn last year. Uh, and even though he was knocked out this year, it wasn't because of anything Giannis did wrong. He was unbelievable in that series against a very, very good defensive team. Uh, he was able to find another level of relentlessness and attack mode and a disposition to dominate. That is not what we've seen from Jason Tatum in a couple games in this series. Now, I thought game one was more fatigue in second half after Milwaukee. He doesn't have that excuse in game three. He just mm-hmm. was flat. And that, that is inexcusable at this point. You've got to bring tremendous effort. Jalen Brown is trying his ass off. You've got to bring that same kind of mm-hmm. effort. And uh, if they can do that and, and get to game five, you know, I, I don't I – don't, it's a coin flip to me. Miami's got the home court advantage, yeah. two or three games. Boston's probably a slightly better team. If they drop, this one is probably over. You know, you probably can't go down 3-1 yeah. expect to beat Miami three straight times. Um, I think it's uh, – I think we'll see – I mean, we've talked about Yudoka, um, Gerard, being a, a competitive dude. So mm-hmm. every bit Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry, right? 
And oh, I yeah. think oh, I yeah. think we're gonna see like we're gonna see him chomping at the bit to like let's fucking fight. For yeah. sure. You I mean you can see it's it's almost like and it's cliche-ish, I hate to use it, but it's like you can see him when they're struggling, like he has that like player bit in him where he like he's getting like in there, like, come on, we gotta, you know. Oh yeah. And it, it's it's kind of cool. I think and I think the guys, the guys on Boston beat off that. Um, I want to turn to Miami uh, yeah. for a second. You know, Bam Adebayo did not have a good game two. But boy, did he have a good game three. And he was aggressive. And, you know, when you are the, your team's second max player, right, Jimmy, is the first one, you're the other guy. Hey, man, we, this is what we need you to do. We know what you do on defense. Yes, all good. But you got you to gotta help us out on this end. And I think... Kyle Lowry being on the floor helped him out in this game because, you know, and this is not about Gabe Vincent being bad or anything like that. Kyle Lowry has an understanding of the game that Gabe just doesn't because of Kyle's just years and experience and all that. Kyle was able to pass ahead, right? Push the tempo a little bit. There was a, there was a way in which he played with a, a steadying hand. Not that Gabe's hand's not steady. It's just different, right? It's like, a certain level of IQ versus another, right? In terms of just experience that he had. And I thought that helped Bam get the ball in spots that he wanted to do. And then also, Bam, when he got the ball, was decisive, right? Knew what he wanted to do. If double comes, I'm doing here. If no here, I'm shooting the shot. Like, no no thinking, I'm just going and doing. And I thought Bam was really good. What'd you see from Bam in game three? I mean, what you just said. I think that that's part of coaching is giving guys a really specific blueprint and ask them to follow the plan. You're not. Uh, it's easy to say, this is AAU, in middle school and high school. Um, I'll tell you a, a, a terrible story uh, because I want to bring it up. Uh, a really good friend of mine has got a, a mid to high major, a pretty high, high major level player, and he's playing one of the best AU teams in, in America. And he had a game where he 0 for 7 from 3. He's been struggling as a shooter. Uh, he's a six foot five, you know, guard basically. And he's an amazing shooter and he's just cold. And his fucking coach said to him, uh, basically, you know, I got to go find me a shooter now. This guy's been playing him for years. He's been their best player. He's starting, you know, plays almost all the game, whatever. And, um, that, you know, it's just that, imagine Eric Spolster saying to Bam, I guess we got to find a new center after game two. Like, are you yeah, fucking yeah, kidding right, me? Yeah. These coaches right. are so bad. It's the opposite in the best NBA franchises. I have a feeling Spo and or assistant coaches and or Udonis and other players are saying to Bam, you know, fuck those motherfuckers. Go get your buckets and then just read the game. Two guys are on you, pass the ball, but go score. And then Robert Williams didn't play. now Because you have to prepare him to do that no matter what. But when Robert Williams didn't mm-hmm. play, I think his eyes lit up. And Daniel Tice is fine, actually. But he is no Robert Williams. And uh, I, I think Bam's eyes lit up at that opportunity. And uh, this is, makes you appreciate the best scorers in the world more because they just bring it almost all the time. Bam doesn't. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is where he lacks a little bit, although he does carry a lot of their defensive work with with uh pj and and jimmy um they are a hell of a team when he's engaged like that and mm-hmm. if, they, if if this was the band we saw most of the time i would have had an easier time picking miami especially if i told if you told me robert williams would be out some uh we'll see you just did it now can you do mm-hmm. it again that's this mm-hmm. is it's not scripted like let's find out what right. do you got and and to me one of the best things about what wiggins has done in the west is all that brand he had was just made up who he it doesn't mean he mm-hmm. wasn't that but it, what it mm-hmm. does mean is that it doesn't necessarily suggest he'll always be that that's right. i tweet right. about this this is what player development does our job is mm-hmm. to 
I, I, the easiest way to describe it, and I probably told this before, probably on our show, is I always think, I think of a player's career path, think about a train track. Like, this is, this is something I've learned over the years in, in doing this, is I can kind of see where that track is going. Uh, not always, but often I can see where it's going. Until there's a station change. And then they can change tracks. The station change, in reality, could be a new coach. It could be a better personal coach, trainer kind of thing. It could be getting married. If, if the player is just distracted all the time, and mm -hmm. I know this from experience, where, where, including my own life, where I didn't really have – I was kind of aimless until I realized mm -hmm. I need to keep this girl happy or she's going to find someone way better than me. And it woke me up. 22 years old, I fucking changed. And so it could be a baby. That happened too. That happens with players all the time is it mm -hmm. wakes them up. And so whatever, they, they change tracks. And now hopefully they're going to a better one. Sometimes they go to a worse one. Try getting traded to Sacramento and building your career that way, right? <laughs> so uh, maybe it'll change going forward with new coaches. So um, with, with Mike, I'm rooting for Mike. Uh, I think that now we'll see. Bam, can you bring it next game too and next game and next game? Mm -hmm. Because that's a game changer. That's a series changer, a game changer, series changer and career changer for you and for your team if he can be engaged offensively that way all the time. It's hard. It's what, what Jimmy Butler does, yes. there's not many guys that do it. These elite scores at the highest levels that also guard. It's different when they're not guarding. Bam has to guard for them. If, if that happens, that's, how you, that's what a championship team for Miami would look like because they need him engaged yeah. all the time against you know, likely Golden State. Yeah, and, and you, know, you mentioned – you know, the, being able to do it consistently, right? And that's that's what really separates superstars, right? Like, even if Curry's having a bad shooting series or a shooting night or whatever, he'll find a way to get it, right? That's that's what superstars do. Like, going back to Tatum, that three for whatever he did in game three, superstars rarely have nights like that, right? It's like, no, they just find a way to make the game impactful when the shot's not falling. And that, maybe for Jason, is the next level, right? It's like, okay. Buckets, sometimes buckets, like you were like uh, early in the season when you were setting the Celtics, you're like, he's just not making shots. Okay. Well, when you're not making shots, you got to do other stuff because this we got to win yeah. this game anyway, even if your shot isn't falling. Right. You can't play through it like you can in the regular season because it's all over in a heartbeat. Right. Like they could be done in a few days. Right. They lose this game. They could be done Tuesday. They could be on Wednesday night. That's how fast it yep. goes. So uh, mm -hmm. the problem with Jason is the way I watched all those, those uh, possessions. Uh, the lane is clogged too. He's got to move the ball earlier and then try to get it back. He's got to move without the ball better. Um, he's got to get more involved in transition uh, to get more because his team needs him to score more. Uh, but to attack the teeth, the defense is a mistake. And Miami is basically saying, we don't think you guys are going to pass the ball 11 times in a possession or eight times in a possession. Uh, and they're counting on that. So Boston needs to be more willing to move it, move it, move it. The ball is passed. When the ball is passed, it's moving faster than if a dribble is dribbling it or if a defender is chasing it. The ball moves faster mm -hmm. as a pass. Correct. And the ball has energy, right? So, you know, I, I want to kind of stick on this point because you, you have me thinking about something. And, you know, we talk about teams and culture and trust and all things that are important to work for superstars to be functioning within a system. I mean, and, you know, it is a, I, I'm not some Golden State Warriors pom-pom waiver here, but <laughs> that is the Cuisinart, though, right? Like, Curry gets off the ball early and A, he either knows A, I'm getting it back or B, we're getting a much better shot, right? And that is what allows them to be so hard to defend versus, you know, maybe it's a trust issue in other places, right? Where superstars are like, no, 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 I, 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 I got to take this or else we're not going to do X. Like, 
Talk about the difference between what you have to establish to create the Cuisinart that, you know, other teams find difficulty doing. Of course, you need the right people, but it's not a, it's a system that seemingly is based on trust, right? And why Golden State has it and many teams don't. So if it, so the best way to describe the Cuisinart would be it, it, a way to contrast it to what we're seeing teams like, for example, Dallas likes to run, which is mostly, as you said, a high pick and roll, center pick and roll. Uh, it's basically a dribble play. The Cuisinart is not based strictly on the dribble. You can dribble. You can easily, you know, Jordan Poole likes to dribble by guys. But the, the, that's one feature as opposed to the main feature. That's one feature of, of the offense. Uh, it, is a, it is an offense predicated on five guys moving without the ball, setting the proper screens, reading the game. And what's happening off the ball is every bit as important, if not more important sometimes, what's happening with the ball. That is not typically what's going on in anyone else's offense that, that's currently playing or has been playing in the playoffs for a bit of time now. So uh, guys are getting open. You, we saw Wiggins, you know, whereas most teams want to stay in the corner and shoot the three, Wiggins crashed and got a dunk because he saw there was a short roll coming. I think Looney screen rolled to like 18, 20 feet, got it right away. Wiggins cuts to the rim, bucket, dunk, whatever. Uh, it, it's every screener is also potentially going to be the open guy. Because they're also reading, if, if, the, if their own defender is thinking about the guy coming off the screen, the screener is the one that's going to be open. We have an axiom, the screener is always open. Well, it's not really true. Of course, the defense gets to choose who they're going to leave open. The screener is often open, is what I always say. So all those things are mixed in, where the ball is a threat, but so are the other four players that don't have the ball. And dribbling is just one faction. In fact, I would argue it's one of their worst things. That's not to say Curry doesn't dribble through people and get layups. He does. But part of that's because all of them are willing to get off the ball early. And so as a defender, you're hesitant to help because you know as you're stepping into the ball, the ball is being released to the guy that you're leaving, which puts everyone in rotation because now someone else got to get there because you're going the opposite way. And so that creates doubt in your mind. What, what should I do? That doubt causes inaction, which they take advantage of, or you end up saying, no, I got to react, and you react, and you make the wrong step. And uh, I, I'm very jealous, and maybe you're good at this, uh, I'm very jealous of chess players who can watch a game and you'll, you'll see an opponent move a pawn one slot. And they're like, oh, that's a mistake. Well, mm -hmm. I can't do that. Mm -hmm. I can't do that in yeah. almost any sport. I can do it in football to some degree, and I can do it in basketball pretty easily, where the millisecond, there's a, a one false movement or one extra movement, I it doesn't mean they'll get a bucket. You still have to make the shot or, and execute the pass or whatever. But the mistake has been made, and now you play off that mistake. And if you remember, um, I, I think we did this a long time ago, Gerard, where we, we, I quoted a, a – oh, I know what it is. It's uh, Dirk Nowitzki's coach. It's in the book. Mm. Talking mm -hmm. about how mm -hmm. jazz is uh, basically what do you do after the false note? What do you do after the false note? Well, that's when Henry first read that, he called me like gleefully. He's like, David, you wrote a book, Basketball is Jazz. Dirk's incredibly famous coach in Germany, anyway, took Dirk mm -hmm. to jazz clubs to teach him how basketball is jazz. Mm -hmm. So he knew I'd be fired. I'd be jazzed about that, so to speak. Um, <laughs> I mean, this is what we're talking about here is, is what do you do off that mistake on both sides? How do you take advantage of it? And then how do you protect it or how to build on that? and protect it from happening again, you know, safeguard yourself. The Cuisinart is just rapid fire, rapid fire, rapid fire, and, and putting you in jeopardy all the time. Uh, it's how I think most teams should play. 
Um, when you've got a guy like Luca, it would even be, it would even be better if they did it this way. But to your point before, it requires trust because it requires timing and skill and everyone buying in. Uh, you can't run the Cuisinart if Kevon Looney is thinking, this is my time. Here I go. I'm the MVP of the series. Though I would argue Wiggins is now. Mm-hmm. But for a while, it was Looney. Halfway through game three, it was Looney because of the previous games. And if he starts keeping the ball more and trying to do his own thing to get more money, the Cuisinart kind of bogs down. It's like leaving big chunks in the blender. You know, the ice can't mm-hmm. cut. You've got to be selfless in the best way possible. And that's what it's where Draymond's biggest, biggest gift is offensively besides his intellect and all of that is he just doesn't care about who scores. He just wants us to score. And Looney's the same, you know, Looney's the same. He's, he does it differently than Draymond, but he's such an effective player uh, on both ends. And that's, that's why they're so good is they, that they've got that buy-in from everybody that trust. And, you know, obviously coach Kerr, came from i mean he's from a couple different he's from the phil jackson tree and the pop tree but the story we have to tell about pop is you know when Kawhi finally figured out when we are designing a play it's not for you to score necessarily it's for us to score right right? and once you got that understanding it's like oh i get it now right like and there is a way in which it's funny is a warm a day up here in new york city of this weekend we're up on the west side what does that mean by the way what what does warm mean in new york city Oh, not, it was that's 90. Warm. It was 90. Okay, that's real New York. That's warm. Oh, yeah. That's warm. That's, summer. Okay. that's very Got warm. It's it summer. <laughs> We're walking down uh, towards Battery Park. And it's like, uh, as we walked down the Hudson yeah. River, there's a bunch of pickup basketball yeah. courts. And it's funny. We're walking by one court and it's playing three on three. And we just stopped for a second, my girlfriend and I. And I'm like, oh, what's going on? Look, this is they're playing. One guy's going one on one against everybody. His two teammates are just staying there. I go, Coach Corp Corp would hate that. That's not Cuisinart. That's bad basketball. Dude, just going one-on-one, just trying to score, whatever. He drives in, misses the layup. I'm like, whatever. We keep walking. Basketball court, maybe five things down. Same three-on-three, different people. I'm like, oh, man. Look at everybody touching the ball over here. Oh, you score. I'm like, you see how easy the game is? When everybody's involved, it's simple. When one guy tries to do it, I mean, sometimes it works, but sometimes not. I just it, That made me think of that immediately, right? When everyone on the floor is weaponized, of course, it's almost impossible to stop, right? Well, we talk about knowing how to play the game. And I, I, I don't know if I've told you this before, but when I was in college, uh, we would do spring break. Fort Lauderdale was the place to be in spring break. What happened to us were all my, my, not all, but many of my friends were from the South Florida area. So we would go down there. We didn't stay in hotels. I didn't have any money. But I would stay at a friend's house. And uh, we didn't do the crazy partying. And I, I'm from the beach, man. I grew up five minutes from a, be- a really beautiful beach. And, uh, and so the beaches were no big deal to me, but there were two full courts. And uh, it's one of my favorite memories. Uh, listen, I was in a Jewish frat. I was one of the taller guys in the frat at six feet tall and, and definitely the, <laughs> by far the best basketball player, which wasn't saying a lot. And on these two courts, you had a real game where I'm, sh- I, I'm sure many of those guys were college basketball players because I was always one of the shortest guys playing at a, at a fair six feet tall and in great shape. And the other court was for the scrubs. And so if I wanted to hang out with my frat guys who were, some of them were great athletes. They just weren't necessarily great basketball players, except for one of them who could you know, dunk the hell out of the ball at six feet tall. So he could play with me on the good court. But um, if I felt badly, I'd play on the scrub court. And, it, and not that these guys were terrible athletes. They just know how to play. So it's just one-on-one. Everything's, it's awful. All I tried to do was avoid getting hurt. 
because <laughs> my game, I, I was an attack out of the rim. I was a great passer. I, was, I could play into it. I could really shoot. It was an outdoor court, though. Uh, but I had a great second box jumper game. But these fuckers would always be under my feet, and I would hurt my ankle by playing against these idiots. And no one set a screen away from the ball. None of that shit ever happened. So I could do a game or two, and I'm like, guys, and it's like a drug for me. So then, you, then I was good enough to play on the good court, and it's real. It's hard because everyone's moving, and everyone's cutting, and everyone's screening, and everyone's talking. It's real basketball. But, that, I mean, I could do that shit all day. And, yeah. and the other thing I love, too, is I was also lucky enough to be able to play a lot in the projects. And people thought, this was back in the 80s, that it was, street ball was a different game. No, not at all. <laughs> Guys that really knew how to play, really knew how to play. It does, it's not based on skin color, ethnicity, or how much money you, your family made, or whatever. We were all kids. If you knew how to play, you knew how to play. And the games were fucking amazing. Amazing. You get 10 guys at 20 years of age or so that all know how to play, moving off the ball, setting screens, mm -hmm. changing your screening angles. There's so many little nuances of the game. And so to finish your point, I was talking to an, an NBA workout guy yesterday. He is doing a pro day coming up. And uh, he's worried because you can't do more than three on three. But if you're right. switching every screen, well, then it's just three games of one-on-one, -on -one, you know? And yeah, what are they yeah. learning from that that they didn't already learn during the season? It's, it's, and he's right. It's just not conducive to really showing all the nuances of the game because not every team switches every screen. In fact, right. to that point, uh, Mike Brown, the Warriors defensive coordinator, mm -hmm. Gerard, has – I mean, we're, you're watching the game. We've seen boxes mm -hmm. and ones. We've seen pure yep. zone. We've seen mm -hmm. different ways they're defending the screen. They're, they're just mm -hmm. trying to make it harder. Lucas scored 40 on 23 shots, but it wasn't 50 on 23 shots. Like anything they can do right. to make him a little bit less effective is all they can do. And then hope the other guys miss. Uh, there's a lot yeah. of that. There's, it's not just any one way to do anything because these geniuses will figure it out. You've got to keep them guessing at least a little bit because of that 24 second clock. I'm going to tell you something. Without the mm -hmm. 24, for a second clock, the games would be slower paced, but they'd be much more efficient scoring because yeah. they would eventually figure out what's going on and possessions more, and they would score more mm -hmm. because of it on just fewer possessions because it would take time to figure stuff out. That clock speeds you up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, uh, the Miami-Boston um, series, you know, we mentioned Jimmy's injury. There's something I saw there, and I know you want to talk about injuries and something you're hearing from the commentators in terms of the physicality that, 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 <laughs> that the players are playing with on offense. But there was something that happened in, that I thought was interesting and worth discussing. So you remember in the series prior, um, Memphis and Golden State, and I think Kerr did this for a reason. I think he's playing mind games with the young Grizzlies team. He talked about breaking the code, right, when Dylan Brooks uh, had yeah. that foul against Gary Payton yeah. the second. And then in, the game, in that same series, Jordan Poole reaching for the ball, tugs at um, John Morant's knee, he misses the rest of the series. And then John tweets out, oh, it's the code, it's the code, whatever. Okay. We go into the series, and that there was a lot of talk about that play against Jordan Poole. All, it was all over NBA Twitter, ESPN, all those silly shows talking about it. In that game three, Peyton Pritchard, and what I think, at least Jordan Poole, I can tell, was trying to make a basketball play. He was reaching for the ball. Just missed and, you know, got his knee. In the game that Jimmy, the game that game three when Jimmy got hurt, first half, Peyton Pritchard is on the ground because he got screened hard, right? Jimmy's standing upright about to dribble the ball into the lane and head to the rim. I mean, that's, that's Peyton's man. He's, got, he's on the floor. He's got nothing to do. 
he reaches out and grabs at Jimmy's knee. Like, he wasn't going for the ball. He was just trying to fa- intentionally foul to stop whatever from happening. Jimmy goes down to the ground, whatever. No one really talked about it much. Uh, there wasn't much talk about, oh, should someone be suspended, anything like that. I just thought that that dynamic was interesting in that. Well, here we have a play that was similar, but, you know, and I, I again, I would argue that the Pritchard play was way worse because that was intentionally trying to grab at a body part, not go for the ball because he couldn't, where he was, there was no way he could reach the ball. Whereas Poole wasn't, and there was no talk about it at all, really. I just, I think it's interesting, and it probably has something to do with Miami and the way they are. They're not the kind of team to go into the media after and gripe and do the whole, right? That's all heat culture, and we make no excuses, all that. But I just thought those two things were interesting. I, I don't remember either play, actually. It's so weird. I need to go look and see him. I trust your judgment. Yeah, check him I out. I trust your description. Yep. Um, I don't miss many plays, but... Um, I wonder if Miami had lost. Might that did, did the Warriors lose that game Maybe. when Jordan Poole? I mean, did uh, uh did yeah the Memphis the lost without Ja, right? I think they did. I, I wonder if that did. has to do with it. So. It's it's the consistency is an issue always. It's what they're striving for. My mm-hmm. concern. Well, first of all, I remember back when I used to watch football. I remember going back when you were barely born, where you could clip anybody. <laughs> They might have called it, but you could chop block like you could go after these guys knees all you wanted. And and suddenly people got soft. I'm quoting air quotes here <laughs> when you can't you know, have a 300 pound guy take someone's knees out like that's a law. Right, it's yeah. a rule against that now in the, in the NFL. We might we might need to be thinking about that in the NBA. Like leave these guys knees alone, please. You know, they're heading their knees in yeah, two yeah. dangerous spots and you can't right. get underneath them because that's right. an ankle issue. My my biggest concern is the idea that we're we're so that violence is good i don't i don't mm-hmm, agree with mm-hmm. that i don't i I, mm-hmm. I mean i've lived this game my whole life i don't want my guys to be more violent it's a violent game already and so specifically mm-hmm. we've got these tv guys who don't seem all concerned about protecting our players heads and and their argument is well it's a natural shooting motion are you fucking kidding me so if I'm driving to the rim, Gerard, and you put your jaw into my space where I now can't even move at all, that is a foul on you if you if you are hitting contact. Correct. You are now to use your jaw to keep me from just running at a layup. But if your jaw is outside my space and I move my elbow mm-hmm. into your space, even if it's not That's a foul on you. It has to be a flagrant mm-hmm. if I put my elbow in mm-hmm. your jaw. You should be able to guard legally without risking your face and your mm-hmm. teeth. Mm-hmm. It, it makes <laughs> it, listen. You can always carry this stuff out. If it happens more and more, we're start getting guys. We're gonna look at hockey players now. That wouldn't be a good thing. Mm-hmm. I don't want. I don't want to look at like yeah. hockey. You know, to, the missing teeth thing. <laughs> uh, we 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 should be able to. You know, I always taught my guys when you're pivoting, you're allowed your space. And if they're dumb enough to put their jaw in your space, well, you're going to break their nose. Right. Then that's, that's yep. what I used to, mm-hmm. I mean, I was a 20 some year old guy teaching that. I wouldn't teach it anymore, but I did. I also tell my guys, don't put your nose into their space unless you want to get it broken. Right. Let's right. works both ways. I can't go outside that space. I have to control mm-hmm. myself. If I'm going for a layup and I extend into their face, that's on me. If they put their nose mm-hmm. into my space, that's on them. And that's a different mm-hmm. story. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't, but it's to me, it's the more, well, there's two things. It's the, the, the embracing the older, more violent times bothers me. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, if I was an NBA player, I would be irate at these old guys. And I don't even mean necessarily the old players because old coaches are doing it too. 
are making it seem like I'm soft. Are you? I'm training yeah, 51 yeah, yeah. weeks a year. I talked to a player. Yeah, I told yeah. you yesterday, all NBA level player. He took two weeks off, and he is back today. And his team of people working with him, team, teams of people who are working with him, mm-hmm. tissue people and strength people and speed people. And I mean, he's going to mm-hmm. be working his ass off. It's fucking May. His next game is October. And this guy yeah. is going to be killing it. And, and we, he had a 90-minute phone call with his agents and myself just kind of mapping out. I just was guiding some a little bit on what they should do to make him a better player. And these guys are soft. Are you, are you watching what they're going through, how much space yeah. they're guarding? It's, I'm offended for them. I want them to be offended too. Yeah. No, I'm with you. And it's, you know, it's mainly like Reggie and, you know, Jeff and, and Stan will kind of get on. And like, you know, again, like it, it, I understand the idea of, you know, the no layup rule, right? Like you don't want to just get, roll out the red carpet and let guys just walk into the lane and just, yeah, we're having a good time, right? Of course not. You want to protect your basket, but you don't need to commit violence to protect your basket, right? Like Miami and Boston play in Milwaukee before they got knocked out. Those, both of those, all three of those teams play physical defense. You don't got to clothesline somebody. Like, look, you can do it. Like you can, you can guard without knocking somebody out. It is possible. You just need to teach it. That's all. Well, yeah, and so I would foul time and score situations. So you're down two, about to get a layup, and uh, I, if they score two more, I'm definitely lost, or if I have to stop the clock. But in most cases, I'm better off making them make it tough on them uh, because every time I foul, that means, especially if I'm a player that's counted on, there's a little bit less chance I'm going to be playing as many minutes as I want to. And, you know, Stan, I think, Stan's like us. I think he is playing up to Reggie. <laughs> like there you go again like i almost feel like he knows you know we're not better off having more violence and 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 here's the thing reggie miller you literally said you're not sure it was a bad play to foul wiggins shooting a three so i and i <laughs> listen i love reggie miller i loved him as a player i love his sister and his family and i listen i've watched one boxing match since my papa died in 1983 and i heard reggie miller talk before the fight it was like maybe seven eight years ago and I thought he was super smart talking about the science of boxing. He was great. <laughs> but I'm no longer going to listen to you when you say you can foul a three-point shooter and it's not a bad thing. It's the worst play in sports. Worst play in basketball. Yeah. As it turns out, Wiggins made all three. But you shouldn't have fouled right. him at all. So you're a little suspect, right. Reggie. I just – yeah, violence <laughs> to me is it's not the best place for us to go as a team, as a sport. Yeah. I mean, my, you know, it, it's funny because I, I have a debate with uh, a friend of mine in our group chat about it. And my thing is always – you know, it's like, yeah, but sometimes you get mad. I'm like, yeah, but you getting scored on, your team getting scored on, well, that's a you problem, right? You need to be better. Your recourse because you're getting scored on shouldn't be, well, now I have to commit violence because I'm angry that we're getting scored on. That's, that's your problem. Get better at defense, right? Like, it's not the offensive player's fault or that team that they're killing you because you can't stop them. You need to be better. at And I get you get frustrated because it's a competition and all that. But I mean, we get we have to be better. That's how we stop them. I, I don't. And yeah. And I don't think you're intimidating. You know, I, I marvel at uh, baseball players who don't seem to be scared of the ball when it's going 104 miles an hour at their head. And they get hit all the time. And they're just they're just mm-hmm. you're not scaring these basketball players from hitting them hard. The, the Celtics didn't beat the Lakers because they were afraid to be physical. I think it did get in their heads a little bit in that right. game. They try to overdo it. But it wasn't like anyone was afraid to go to the rim all of a sudden in the playoffs. These guys are playing right. for all the marbles. Uh, I just think there's a better plan than what they're doing. And, and our, our announcers shouldn't be 
asking for it is what I'm saying is we should be on the same page of yeah. can we stop making fun of them for us? Try, the league is trying to protect our players' heads. Why are we making fun of the league for doing that? It's a mistake. Yeah, and I think to your point, what you want to see is consistency, right? That That is the goal, right? And I think, you know, we want to see if this is a flagrant one, well, let it let this always be a flagrant one, right? Let, let's make let's make it clear on that. And you know, the league works on that, and it's yeah. they're human beings, so they're right. going to make errors. Right. And not all two plays are the same. It's just the nature of the game. All right, so tonight, coach, we got uh, game four, pivotal game four. It's either going to be two two, or man, three one. What what do you think happens tonight uh, in, in yeah, Boston? Yeah, it's tough because um, Time Lord is probably out. Marcus Smart's going to play or not? He's probably playing. playing, I think. I mean, I would lean Boston, uh, especially we don't know how good Jimmy's going to be. I think Boston has shown they can get up off the mat. They did in Milwaukee against Mm -hmm. every bit as good as Mm -hmm. Miami. Uh, But I think Miami's found a a comfort zone. I just don't think they can do it for four quarters. And if Boston plays much better, I mean, as as, as terrible as Boston played, they were down one with two forwards to play after being down 26. So I I think Boston, I just think they're a better team. I could be wrong. If they lose this one, I'm, I'm definitely wrong. Minus the injury part, which is a I mean, thing. They could start by not turning the ball over 20 yeah. times. <laughs> yeah, that's part of it. Get off I mean, the ball. And, Ime, if, if and I wrote about this. You'll see when I publish it later. Ime's already hit that. Like, like we have to get off the ball and, yeah. and not do the problems we did earlier this year that got Marcus Smart pissed off at us. I don't think Boston's lost twice in a row in the postseason, have they? I don't think so. Nope, I don't think they have either. Yeah, so, and, that, and that factor alone is making me lean Boston. I'm just like, I just... They, every time they lose, they just find a way the next game to be like, okay, this is what we did wrong, and they come back. So, yeah, I think Boston wins tonight. All right, folks, we will be seeing you on Friday. And by Friday, my God, the Warriors series probably will be over by Friday. Could be. Um, and, I mean, even if, even if Dallas wins uh, on Tuesday, it'll, you know, Thursday, right. they'll win. And That's right. It, it'll be done by right. Friday. And, uh, you know, we'll see where we are with, with Boston and Miami. Until next time, guys, take care.